Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different than what we normally produce. For those of you who are new listeners, occasionally we like to take a step back from politics for a couple of reasons. One, we don't feel like every day is a a worthy enough news day. And quite frankly, the feedback loop that we seem to all be stuck in as far as the, uh, the COVID crisis and the pandemic, I think all of us are getting a little sick of that. So today... We felt like we needed a break, and occasionally we'll put podcasts like this out, and we like to take a step back and we like to talk about something else in the world, not necessarily political, but at the same time, we don't drift too far from our overall message of what we want to talk about here. There's been a lot of stories circulating in the news media about the actor Alec Baldwin, who accidentally shot a young lady on the movie set out in New Mexico, and it's been a big story. So we thought we would take a day off from our regular talking points And we would take a step back and discuss what actually happened on that movie set and discuss proper etiquette in the overall gun culture that has been abandoned in the United States and around the world. So today we're going to be taking a step back from our usual topics. So please join us on The Break Room. Good day, Bruce. How are you? Well, healthy and alive. Yourself? I'm not bad. You know, we were actually going to put out a rerun today, a rebroadcast today, because there's really not much going on. But when I say there's not much going on, I'm talking about in the usual realm of things that we like to discuss. Whatever's going on on the COVID scene, I mean, we we could sit here, we talk about that stuff all day, but quite frankly, I'm sick of it. I'm I'm really, I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of looking at the same people. We can go over all the stuff that's going on in New Zealand with that, uh, that crack smoker you got down there as a, as a prime minister. And, and I literally mean that. I, I mean that. That drug addict you got down there running the place. We could talk about Dan Andrews in Victoria. We could talk about uh, any of these, uh, well, quite frankly, if you even want to call them leaders. But I don't want to talk about that today. As a change of pace, and since we haven't mentioned it yet, and the stories are everywhere, as much as I hate to do it, as much as I hate to talk about celebrities, man, I hate talking about celebrities because they are nobodies. They are In my opinion, they are the lowest form of a role model that you could even look up to simply because they come out. Now, not all of them. I'm not lumping all of them in together. There's a few of them that are that are okay. And the reason I say they're okay, it's not because I agree with them politically. As a matter of fact, it's because they don't talk about politics at all. I appreciate them for the skill that they possess in the fact that they are an actor. They don't espouse their politics or their religion or whatever on other people. When I say religion, I mean, Tom Cruise kind of comes to mind, doesn't it? (laughs) Here's the thing. Tom Cruise is, he's a good actor. I don't like his religion. That's his business. As long as he's not out there peddling his religion to people, then I appreciate the fact that he's an actor. What's another one? People, for example, that are not political in Hollywood, people like Denzel Washington. He's not political. But if you listen to what he says, if you can read in between the lines, then you understand basically how he thinks when it comes to politics. And I appreciate that. But he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't say it. He doesn't put his opinions in there. And when he's confronted by reporters, whenever they try to draw him into any kind of political discussion, he throws it right back at him, spins it around, and he walks the other way. I heard him answer the question one time. Some reporter asked him, like one of those red carpet, you know, entertainment reporter, paparazzi, whatever. They asked him a question about what, what do you think about all of the, uh, the fake news that's out there? And he says, says fake news. I said, yeah said, what do you think about the news that's out there now? And he says, well, I'll tell you something. He says, if you don't read the newspaper, you're not informed. But if you do read the newspaper, then you're misinformed. And she says, well, what does that mean? He says, I don't know. You figure it out. And he walked the other way. You see, he spun it back around on them and then walked the other direction. That's what I like. 
that right there, that that quick response. He didn't miss a beat when he was asked that question. I appreciate that. Clint Eastwood. There's another one I appreciate. He doesn't talk too much about his politics. He has a couple of times, but he's kind of let that one go. People like John Cusack, who come out and call all um, all Trump supporters Nazis and far right fascists and all the rest of it. You know what? I'm not going to go down this road of uh, of, of fascist and, and communist and all that stuff, because that's a tactic of the authoritarian wing when they try to take over a country. They try to denounce their political opposition as whatever they actually are. So I don't like that. I, I don't like going down the road. I don't like listening to these these pathetic celebrities that uh, that have taken up this vaccine as a cause. I don't like that. And one of the people that is the topic of conversation and who has brought up these things in the last few days is the guy named Alec Baldwin. You know, I was a fan of Alec Baldwin for quite some time as an actor. I appreciated the work that he did. Movies like uh, The Hunt for Red October was a fantastic movie. He played a great role. The Tom Clancy movie played a great role with Sean Connery in that movie. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. They all did a great job. And he's played in other things as well. And he's he's done he's done wonderful at that. And quite frankly, he has done the best. And I don't appreciate the show, but he's done the best uh, sketch comedy of Donald Trump that I have ever seen. He's got to be the best actor I've ever seen. Try and imitate Donald Trump and do it in a comedic fashion. He did a great job with that. He, d- he played a great Donald Trump from a comedic standpoint. It was great. It was great. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Alec Baldwin. We're not going to talk about the roles that he's played. We're not going to talk about his political standpoint. We're not going to talk about that. His political views are pretty clear. We just watched the three-minute video that he put out, a TikTok video he put out last week on the set of the movie that he's shooting right now or was shooting until this horrible incident, talking about how, oh, he's excited because he's sitting down with Dr. Fauci on his podcast. And uh, and, and this is a this is a, a war against the vaccine and comparing it to the Second World War and people need to make sacrifices to win the war. Blah, give me a break. We're not talking about that. You know, and then he talked about ice in his face because <laughs> he's at altitude or something. Apparently, he's he's never spent any uh, a great deal of time at altitude. But anyway, that's side issue. But I want to talk about this incident that occurred on this movie set that he's shooting now. He's shooting a movie called Rust. It's supposedly it's a Western movie. And the was she like the photography director or something? Yeah, she's like the director of photography. Okay. Um, she got shot. There was a there was a scene where they they were dealing with a prop gun. And apparently there was a live round that was either in it, that was either chambered in it or it was either left in it or part of it was discharged. And then there was a blank round that went off after it. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what kind of gun that it is. But this woman was killed on the movie set. And I think the director of the film was even uh, was even seriously injured. I think he took one on the shoulder or something like that. Uh, and he was released later on uh, from a hospital. But uh, this woman was uh, was unfortunately killed. But I, I want to talk about this. I mean, this is this is a th- this is cardinal rule number one that was broken here. Now, here's a guy who's anti-gun in his political beliefs. Here's a guy who's anti-gun. Yet, and and all these celebrities that are anti-gun, quite frankly, they go onto these sets and they film all these movies that are nothing but gun violence. You shout down gun violence, and then you go and you you film a movie. You make hundreds of millions of dollars off of it at the box office promoting gun violence. That, that's as bad as these these yahoos out there making these rap songs, like Snoop Dogg and the rest of these guys. If you go out there and you make a rap song, and then you turn around and you talk about the depravity in uh, in the inner cities. Look at the type of stuff you're talking about in your rap songs. My point is, is that if you behaved the way that these people behave in a rap song, you'd be in prison. If you behave the way that these people behave in these movies, in these shoot 'em up movies, you'd be in prison. And then they come out as anti-gun. And then this happens. 
So let's start from the top. You've been reviewing this case. You, you've been kind of talking about it offline for the last couple of days. So where do you want to start with it? Uh, well, we'll we'll start off at the top. Um, it was uh, Elena Hutchins, I think is her name. She was the cinematographer. Uh-huh. And she was the one that was killed. Uh, and the director, Joel uh, Souza, was injured. Long story short, Alec was handed a cold weapon according to the assistant director, um, which means the weapon is not armed. It's, it's, there's no ammo in it. I have to stop you right it, there. I have to stop mm-hmm. you right there. Just on that point, first mm-hmm. and foremost, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but when I say that the cardinal rule was broken here, anybody that's working on that set who's any kind of firearms expert, I'm doing the air quotes, expert, anybody who's working on that set and anybody that's working in safety on that set and uh, anybody that's, whether or not you're an expert or not, you would you would think that as many movie sets as this guy's been on, as many firearms in, instructors and experts as this guy's been on or been around, you would think that he would know the first cardinal rule of a firearm. No matter what it is, no matter how it's handed to you or anything like that, a gun is always loaded. Always. They're all taught this. They're all taught this on set. Everybody that that touches this firearm knows this rule. This is part of the job of the armorer to teach these people this. And as you said, they've been involved in many other movies involving firearms. They all know firearm etiquette, or they should by now. The the problem is this, though. They broke for lunch, came back from lunch. Dave then got the... Dave Halls took the firearm and then handed it to, to Alec and said, cold weapon. Then Alec proceeded to uh, do uh, cross draws practices off off film. They weren't filming, and he was doing cross draws and pointing at the camera. And that's when the accident happened. And he fired, discharged the weapon, shot um, uh, Helena. What, what was her? Uh, Helena. Helena. Yeah. Helena. Yeah, it's spelled weird. So uh, shot her, I believe, in the stomach, and she went down. She like grabbed her stomach and doubled over backwards and the camera crew that were right there were able to help her before she fell to the ground. A um, medical team immediately started working with her. She was bleeding pretty bad, said she couldn't feel her legs, which probably means they hit the spine as well. The round had exited her. It was only one round that was fired. It had exited her and injured um, Joel. I didn't see where Joel was injured, uh, but nonetheless, how this all went down, they have the firearm on a gray cart outside the building. They were inside of an old wooden church is what it looked like. Uh, yeah, filming. it was a church. Yeah, and they, they had the gun. Yeah. Yeah. They had the guns, three guns on a gray cart outside the building where they were recording. First of all, the, the problem with that is... Um, as a gun owner, we're hounded on, you have to keep it locked up, um, you know, you, you, you trigger lock or you have it in a safe or something, right? You're supposed to have eyes on it at all times, basically, or it properly secured. They broke that and did not have it properly secured, nor did they have eyes on it at all times. On top of that, it was not the armorer who uh, ensured that the firearm was cold before handing it to the assistant director who then hands it to uh, Alec, that chain was not there. It was broken, right? Again, that was probably because of um, their COVID regulations, which is why the guns were out on a tray outside the building. Anyway, the gun ended up being loaded 
they found a fanny pack full of live ammunition, not blanks, uh, on the set as well. And I believe at one point, the rumor was they had taken the firearm to a shooting range at one point and uh, were, were uh, you know, training with the weapon. It, it's, it's, a, it's a sad ordeal. I'm curious how the Democrats are going to paint this one or if they're going to try to sweep it under the rug. You know, don't let any crisis go to waste. Uh-huh. Well, it doesn't it doesn't really uh, look good. It, it doesn't look good at all. Uh, and on top of that, Baldwin tweeted something. It was like four years ago or something like that. I mean, because, hey, we like to go back and look at what people tweeted about years and years ago. He put something out on his Twitter a few years ago and said, gee, I wonder what it would feel like to accidentally kill somebody. He was making reference to a case in Los Angeles, the LAPD, where they accidentally shot somebody. Doesn't look good. That, that doesn't look good. Now, you can't judge, obviously, somebody in that case uh, on that. However, uh, what they're looking at now, and I, I heard this this morning, what they're looking at now is they're looking at possible manslaughter charges on, on Baldwin. Uh, now, here's here's basically some yep, of the things that, uh, yeah, here's some of the facts that are that are assumed to be established at the moment. This is uh, this is according to legal analysis uh, over at legal uh, legalinsurrection.com. So they put this whole thing together. They say that uh, these are relevant facts presuming to be established for purposes of this uh, for purposes of this analysis. Alec Baldwin, who was manipulating the gun that fired the projectile that killed Miss Hutchins, which is exactly what you said. He was doing the draws, you know, the, the cross draws. OK, that the gun discharged because the trigger was depressed by Baldwin, not because of some defect in the weapon. That would have been my next question was that. So you, you can't just make a mistake when it comes to that. Now, for anybody that's that's familiar with handguns, you have a couple of different things. I'm assuming here, since I'm, I'm just assuming that because they're shooting a Western movie, I'm assuming that this was a revolver because obviously you didn't have magazine weapons back then, especially if you're trying to stay, you know, uh, true to true to form. So I'm assuming depends that this on was, what part of the 1800s you're going with. Right. Yeah. 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 Generally. So most yeah, generally back then you're going to be dealing with like a 45 long Colt. I'm assuming that was kind of the gun that ruled the day back then. So. In this sense, what you're going to be dealing with would be a single action, uh, hammer fire. Okay, so if you've got that hammer pulled back, then that's going to be, that trigger is going to be depressed, and all you're going to have to do if you if you accidentally put too much pressure on that trigger, that thing's going to go off. It's not going to take much if that's what it is. Now, if he's sitting there doing draws and the hammer's cocked back on that thing, the trigger's already depressed. All you have to do is put very light pressure on it, and that thing's going to go. Uh, I'll add a little more to it that I uh -huh. didn't know until just now. Seven members of the crew, uh, camera crew, had walked out on the film just hours before the shooting uh, in a dispute with the uh, producers and were replaced by a non-union crew. Now, that doesn't necessarily really mean anything, but the, the, the point I'm getting at is they just had a crew shift change. So there could have been some kind of, uh, as the armor, there could have been some kind of dispute and she didn't fully do her job. Uh, in that instance, like she could have been in the process of uh, uh, of checking the firearms. There was a dispute. They broke for lunch and um, she didn't come back for lunch on time or mm -hmm. they got there sooner and we're going to do some practicing. Who, whatever the scenario is, the, the firearm was still loaded and this happened. You did mention to me privately the other day that uh, when we were discussing this, I was, I, I don't know if we were discussing it with someone else or not. I, I can't remember. I, yeah, I think we were discussing it with our, uh, with our Irish uh, friend there. And you had said that they were more concerned on set with COVID regulations than they were about actual firearm safety. Yeah. So some insider stuff I was hearing is that they're taking uh, the COVID regulations far more strictly 
Um, whereas you have certain zones that you're allowed to be in uh, for certain crew, uh, you have to have the right spacing, you know, all the nonsense that you would expect from uh, left-leaning organizations. They were all doing this. So it made it even more difficult as the armorer to ensure firearms were um, secured uh, and indeed cold. So it, it, I'm curious, all the, all, everything that was going on, I'm curious what all went down. Um, and mm-hmm. knowing that there was a crew shift change or crew change because of a dispute, um, I'm curious what, what all went down. And they also only had one camera at the time because of the dispute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious how that played in on this and what all Hollywood went down. Hollywood movie set? So, they only had one angle on that? That doesn't sound right. It, the only reason they had one angle is because the, the crew that, the union crew uh, walked out. I see. I see. And so they, they were only able to recruit one camera. I got it. Okay, I got you. Yeah, because that's how they are in there. I, I talked to a friend of mine who's who's actually in the business out there, and he's like, you can't do anything. How, how did he put it? You can't do anything. When I say anything, I, I mean literally anything. There is a section that's marked out on, say, like the stage or something where you're shooting, where a chair has to be. You can't move that chair. They have to call in one of the union people to come and move that chair. You, you literally can't move the chair. That's how bad it is. So yeah, I, I see your point on that. Okay, back to more relevant facts that have been established. Now again, they're looking at possible felony and voluntary manslaughter for this. Now here's another one. Just real quick, at the very least, that's what I think he should get in this instance. Because no matter what, this, this is as a gun owner. If you're handed a firearm and you just watch them clear the gun, it's clear, they hand it to you, you double check that it's clear and then you treat it as if it wasn't cleared from then on. And, and same thing here. So the, the fact that he was handed a cold gun and he didn't check to make sure that the gun was in fact cold himself is on him. He was operating it. Do you want to know what I do? Whenever I whenever I clear the gun, I always clear it again just to make sure I always clear a gun twice for myself, for myself. I always clear it twice. I double check always because you don't know. Okay, um, the uh, the muzzle of the weapon was directed towards Miss Hutchins by Baldwin when it was fired. Uh, example, she was not killed by an unpredictable ricochet. That would be something completely different, I think. I mean, if it was an accidental discharge and it went off, you know, uh, wherever and it ricocheted off something, okay, you know, you might. That, but yeah. in this case, it was right on her. It um, was directly on, yeah. Yeah. Next point, the gun contained a live round, the bullet of which struck and killed Miss Hutchins. Okay. Next point. Baldwin had the opportunity to inspect the weapon, as you said, for live ammo before he directed it at Miss Hutchins and pressed the trigger, killing her, which he didn't do. He didn't inspect that. He didn't check that. He didn't clear that firearm. And of course, there, uh, this last point here, they say that there was no justification for the shooting of Miss Hutchins, meaning that this was not an act of lawful self-defense uh, or anything like that at all. They say that uh, separately, they're assuming that for purposes of uh, the analysis that was just presented, that Baldwin did not intend to injure Miss Hutchins. If such intent to harm were established, we'd obviously be looking at a much more serious uh, criminal charge than just involuntary manslaughter. Assuming that these facts are to be established, which quite frankly, I think all of them are met, uh, assuming that those uh, facts are to be established... It would appear that they are more sufficient to justify a criminal charge of involuntary manslaughter under New Mexico law and to support a conviction beyond reasonable doubt on that charge. Uh, again, that's that's a legal analysis is put together by uh, LegalInsurrection.com. Their, uh, their attorneys and things over there put that together. And um, 
they they base this on if you if you think that this is just crackpot nonsense they base this on the New Mexico statute and they reference it here on involuntary manslaughter section 30 paragraph 2 subsection 3 manslaughter which addresses both voluntary and involuntary manslaughter the focus uh, here is of course on involuntary manslaughter in the context of involuntary manslaughter paragraph 30 section 2 subsection 3 reads in relevant part and I'm quoting from the New Mexico law here. Manslaughter is the unlawful killing of a human being without malice. B, uh, involuntary manslaughter, can, second part of the, uh, of the law. Involuntary manslaughter consists of manslaughter committed in the commission of a lawful act that might produce death without due caution and circumspection. I think yes, it meets that, that criteria. That, that, it meets that criteria, yeah. Hearing the accounts of the, uh, the crew as well, it's not... Fully known right now if the uh, cold weapon was said by Halls. Uh, some of the camera crew are, are saying that was not said. Halls is saying he did say that, I think. So, um, or maybe it's Baldwin that was saying it. Either way, there there are some uh, of, uh, I don't know, Baldwin supporters? I don't, I don't know what you want to really, really call them, are, are basically trying to pin it on Halls, saying, well, he's the one that said it was a cold weapon. It, it does not matter. His entourage, his, yeah. his closest yeah. advisors, supporters, assistants, administrators, all that stuff. Yeah, they always have an entourage with them. Yeah, well, they're saying that, well, it was Hall's fault because he said it was a cold weapon. Does not matter. It does not matter. It, it, the, the typical rules that we follow as gun owners is you check the gun to make sure it's empty. That's the rule, period. He didn't do it. It's his fault. And the other thing is, like I said... We don't know if the armor had a chance to go double check it. We don't know anything about that scenario. What what happened there? Um, I think the armor is like twenty four year old uh, woman. She's a gun advocate. Um, if she's a gun advocate, more than likely she was probably raised around guns and is very familiar with the the rules. Having that role, I imagine you trained everyone around you being a gun advocate, trying to make it uh, firearms not as scary as. They are made out to be. So you're going to be an advocate talking to others, training them, taking to the fire range, whatever. So they all should know the rules. You know, and they were it, they weren't followed. Someone died. Any any time that I've ever been around somebody that's uh, that I you know go to the range with or something, or when I say go to the range, I mean like an actual just a range. You know, it's just us kind of thing. Every time I've ever gone out with somebody that's never shot or maybe shot once or twice, I always go over with them. I've always done this. I always go over with them the like the the basic rules of how it all works and that's before a gun even gets in their hands and you know what any instructor and I'm not a, I'm not a firearms instructor I'm just I'm looking at it from common sense and, and how I was raised and and how you how you're supposed to be responsible and and treat these things all guns are loaded all of them you should presume that always a gun is always loaded that is rule number 1 that is rule number 1 for example just as you said Bruce if I have a firearm in my hands okay and I clear this I, dr I drop the magazine out of it and, and I clear it. I, I clear the chamber. There's nothing in there. And I pass it off to you. What's the first thing you're going to do? I check the chamber. Exactly. Exactly. So exactly what is established when I pass that gun off to you. The person that receives the gun by default knows that a gun is then loaded again. You presume that gun is loaded again because it has left that person's hand and is coming to you. You don't know if a person's handed you a loaded gun. So you check it again. That's the point. That's the point. Even if you watch them do it, you do it again out of an abundance of precaution. As we've seen, if you don't do it, this is what happens. You kill people. This is a this is a tool designed for 
killing. Yeah, which is exactly my second point. The second point that I would always make to people, don't ever, ever, loaded or unloaded, checked, unchecked, what the hell ever, don't ever point a gun at somebody, ever. Not unless you're willing to kill that person or, or, or destroy whatever's in front of you. That's the only time that you would be pointing something at somebody. And I don't see any good reason to do that unless it's in a manner of self-defense. Yeah, it, don't don't point a firearm at anything you're not wanting to kill or destroy. That's that's right. uh, the other ru- the rule in that. So yes, that that <laughs> I, th- there's so many basic rules that I learned as a kid yeah. that were violated here. Yeah. I, I'm I'm completely baffled at, at like you're supposed to be a professional that has been around these things for years, and you don't even know this. You're like twice my age. The other thing, I would never press that trigger unless I was intending to discharge that firearm. That's the other thing. I, I don't care if you're, even if you're dry firing, and I know they have those systems now, like the the, uh, the iTarget Pro systems out there, and, and that's great. And that's great. If that's something you want to mm-hmm. do in your house and whatever, okay, fine. That's a safe way to do it. But when you're on the range or you're around other people, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not, not even to do that. Now, I happen to have a firearm that's got a decocking lever on it. That's something different. It drops the hammer safely. You don't actually have to press the trigger to get the thing decocked. Uh, it'll it'll actually drop the drop the hammer safely, so you don't have to worry about it. So you can keep around in the chamber. It's a double action. You can keep around in the chamber, even you, if you're. De- it's a revolver. Even if you're. De- yeah. Even if you're trying to lower, the, you do not point the gun at anyone. No. You make no. sure it's safely pointed away from you and anyone else as you're slowly releasing that mm-hmm. hammer or you know lowering the hammer. You. Mm-hmm. you I wouldn't even decock uh, the gun. It, if it was a double action gun, like the one that I have, I wouldn't even decock the thing, point it at somebody. Absolutely not. Mm. Ever. It's always yeah. downrange. You always point the gun downrange. Always. And that brings me to my last point that I always told people. And that's know what you're shooting. And more yes. than that, you have to know. This is Hunter Safety 101. Know what your target yes. is and know what's behind it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't just go out and, and and shoot something with nothing behind it to stop that bullet. This is why we always shoot into the, when we're doing target shooting. We always shoot into a hillside because mm-hmm. you know the bullet's going into the ground back there, and you're not going to have to worry about it ricocheting off anything or uh, or traveling further and and hitting a rock and and jumping off of whatever and and going off and injuring somebody else or something else. Yeah, um, that is a hunter safety course 101. That's like the first thing you're taught. One of the first things you, 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 I remember going through those hunter safety courses, which at the time was like, yeah, I, I, I understood the gravity of it, but I had already been taught and had been shooting before that time. So I knew all the stuff that they were going over, but nonetheless, you always make sure you know what you're shooting at, what's beyond your target, what your target is, never point the gun. You, you don't ever flag anyone which is uh, to where you're at the firing range or wherever, and you readjust the firearm into a different position and you point the barrel at someone accidentally, you don't even do that. Uh, that is a no-no. I know it's, it's, it's different on a movie set in the sense of uh, when, when you're doing the filming and stuff with the blanks and all of that, but never point the gun at someone. That, that, no, they don't, this should have never happened is what it boils down to. This should have never happened. No, it shouldn't have. It happened once before that, well, within my time, um, uh, the movie Crow, uh, that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I, I actually remember when that happened. That was a big story back then when that yeah. happened. I mean, I was a, I was a younger kid, but uh, I, I do remember when that happened. And I even remember the scene where it happened. He was standing on the table around all the uh, around all the gangsters there, and all of them decided that they were going to 
pull their guns out and and shoot this guy. I mean, you know, in the context of the movie, of course, yeah. uh, in the in the script. But um, one of them had live rounds in it. Which in this scenario, being a revolver, there was one round in it that was live. I imagine that gun was probably fully loaded. You're talking about the one with with Baldwin. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen any more details come out about it. I I did see that uh, they were pursuing the um, or they're they're possibly going to be looking at the uh, the manslaughter charges. I'm assuming that filming is done and that movie will never be released. That's that's my assumption at this point. Yeah. Uh, or it'll, it's been suspended. Yeah. It's been suspended. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm assuming uh, yeah, that's it, that's finished. Yeah. If he gets manslaughter charges, yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously, it's done. He's going to be serving out his. He's the the main bad guy in that movie. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this may be the end of Alec Baldwin as as a you know doing movie stuff. Well, I'd be the end of him, I think, altogether. I mean, honestly, it, yeah. I mean, imagine. And when I say the end of him altogether, imagine carrying that around. Now, I do believe, and I and I really do believe this. I do believe that it was an accident. I don't Agreed. believe that. Yes. I, I don't believe that Baldwin intended to uh, to kill that young lady. I don't believe that at all. Mm. I believe that it was an accident, and I believe that it was just. It was negligence. That's what it comes down to. Yes. I think it was. Uh, I think it was involuntary manslaughter, as they're as they're talking about now, uh, per New Mexico law. I, I think that's what it was. He had all the training, all the uh, the advisors, and everything around there. He should have known what to do. Ignorance is no excuse when it comes to the death of another human being. There's no excuse for that. Do we know what the minimum uh, what the minimum time is? I do not know. For fourth degree felony, uh, punishable by up to eighteen months in prison. And a fine of five thousand dollars. Okay, so he'll do. Okay, uh, so he'll do six months. Six months, and yeah, he'll he'll do six. He'll pay the. They'll give him the maximum fine. He'll do six months, and he'll get uh, parole on the rest, and he'll do. I don't know gun safety messages for the rest of his days or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I thought it was going to be worse than that. Jeez, I mean, you you just killed someone. I would have thought it would have been a little bit more time than that, but. All right. Well, you know what? I wanted to talk about the uh, the Baldwin thing today. I didn't um, I didn't really have anything else. I, I really didn't want to talk about politics today. And again, there's really not much else going on. But I wanted to address the Alec Baldwin thing because that, that seems to be everywhere. That's what a lot of people are talking about. And we're big advocates here of, of private gun ownership, legal private gun ownership, nothing illegal. Stay within the legal confines of the law. That's the point. That's the point. But here, here's the here's the thing. We're advocates for legal gun ownership, of course. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that people have the right to self-defense. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. Quite frankly, I think if uh, if more nations and I, you know what, by the time this is all said and done on the other side of this, I think we're going to have to get back to that. We're going to have to be promoting uh, the gun culture in people's lives again. And and that's what it's going to have to be. And when I say the gun culture, I'm not talking about this this uh, stereotype that people are out there portraying as far as as America. What happens in the inner cities? Ninety five percent of that stuff. Actually, you know what? I, I would go I would almost go 100 percent of the time like Chicago. That's gang crime that goes on. You don't see legal, lawful gun owners out there shooting up a neighborhood. It's gang crime. There's your problem. I remember people telling me uh, way back when, because let's let's be honest, they've been trying to take the guns of America of the American people for quite some time. Way back when, back during the Clinton years, I remember people saying back then, the only thing they're going to accomplish by taking the guns away from the Americans is they're going to take them away from the honest people. That's all they're going to do. Criminals are not going to follow the law. Actually, I would say they would make millions of criminals. That's true. That that that. Well, that yeah, probably so. But the UK, for example, the UK has a gun ban. Do you know how hard it is to get a handgun in the UK legally? It, it's impossible. It, it's pretty much impossible. But yet they have shootings every day in London. 
Now, how is that possible? If they have a total gun ban of handguns in the UK, hell, and, and Marty will tell you when he comes on here. He will be back soon, by the way. Uh, he will tell you when he comes on here that it's it's almost impossible to even have a license to belong to a, a gun club. It's almost impossible to do that. So my point is, is that a gun culture should be done in countries and it should be done the proper way. Let's take a couple of examples here. Let's, let's just look at two examples. Let's look at the United States. OK, I was brought up. Bruce, you were pretty much brought up in the gun culture the same way. I was taught by my grandfather, my father and, uh, and uncle and all the rest of it on proper gun etiquette, how to handle it, uh, how to clean it, how to break it down, how to store it, all the uh, all the usual things. That's what you do with them. I was taught how to hunt. I was taught how to target shoot, you know, hunting and target shooting. All that stuff is like that's recreational, the, the recreational side of gun ownership. And I totally agree with that stuff. You know, I agree with hunting. I agree with um, uh, with target shooting. Anytime you hear one of these uh, these pathetic politicians that come out there and say, oh, well, no one's trying to take away your right to hunt. We're not talking about hunting. The Second Amendment in the United States Constitution was not written to go hunting. They didn't write that into the Constitution because deer were coming. Okay? <laughs> or or emu in the case of Australia. Right. But my point is, is that we should have a gun culture. Ultimately, that is that is a check on that balance of power, is what it's for. Our founders just overthrew a government using firearms. They fully intended you to have the fire the Second Amendment to ensure that the government doesn't turn into a dictatorship or an authoritarian autocracy. How's that working out? Just, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. The second country that I would reference here, as far as the gun culture, and quite frankly, I agree with this gun culture, uh, dare I say it, I agree with this gun culture more than I do the American gun culture. I agree with the Swiss way of doing things. And quite frankly, that's why we have our second amendment in the United States, part of it. Uh, partially, that's, that's why we have it. The Swiss, man, they got that stuff on lockdown down there. They know how to do it. I like the fact that they have, and, and I know where we are in the United States, it's, you know, this whole idea of like mandatory servitude and all that stuff. But you know what? The Swiss, you have to look at it from their perspective. They are a neutral party in the world. I like that. I like that. I like the fact that they want to talk to other nations, they want to trade and all that stuff, but they want to be left to their own affairs, which is exactly what the U.S. is supposed to be. We're supposed to be friendly with other nations. We're supposed to trade with other nations. We're not supposed to be involved in their inner workings and their affairs. But a Swiss citizen, when they become of age, they are to go into two years of military service. They are trained with that weapon. And upon completion of their training, they never leave their national defense services. And they get to keep that weapon with them in their home. And more than that, everyone in that home is familiar with that weapon and that weapon never leaves the family, even when that family member passes on. It will pass to the son, to the to the or to the father, to the son, to the grandson, and so on and so forth. I like that. I like that. I appreciate that. And that's part of their national I too, defense. The, uh, I, I do too. The the only the only issue I have with that is it's centralized. It, it is centralized. There, yeah, there is a there is a downside to that. Uh, is is there is that um, everybody knows that uh, who has guns and all that stuff. That that part I don't like. I don't like the registration side of things. That that's where the registration aspect comes in. Uh, I don't like that. But nonetheless, uh, at least they have uh, at least they have their firearms, uh, and I, I I appreciate that. Um, and they use them responsibly. You don't hear about mass shootings in Switzerland, do you? No, you don't hear about that. Why? Why don't you you hear about mass shootings in the U.S. all the time? Right? Somebody shoots up a grocery store or a shopping mall sale. That just happened in. Um, that just happened in Boise, Idaho yesterday. Some dude shot up a shopping mall and killed a couple of people, I think. That should never have happened. Why did it happen? Because we have lost the grips of what our gun culture should be. More than that, 
a moral society who is not sick with this uh, this Marxist degeneracy wouldn't go out and shoot up a neighborhood. They wouldn't go out and shoot up a shopping mall because people would have self-respect and they would have respect for other people around them. We didn't have mass shootings at this scale that we didn't, and, the, and the crime in the cities. I mean, it did exist, but we didn't have it on the level it is now back in the 1950s. We didn't have it. Why? Because we had a population of principled moral people, but that's been removed. Okay. Um, you got anything else? No, I think that pretty much covers it. All right. Uh, I didn't want to, I, I mean, I could sit here, we could, we could preach on guns for the next, you know, gun safety and gun culture and all that stuff for the next, I don't know, two and a half hours, but uh, I'm not going to do it. So we will go ahead and jump out here a little bit early. I'm glad that we didn't have a, uh, a COVID podcast today. It's nice to talk about something different uh, and still kind of stay true to, uh, to our message around here, which is um, freedom, private property, the second amendment, and uh, well, quite frankly, the American way. <laughs> that's just the way it is. All right. That's it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.